This is our number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each and every Sunday night we we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week and often the rather bizarre moments in our own lives. And later on in this particular hour, we will get to the lack of indictment against Hillary Clinton this week. Did that happen this week, Leah Brandon? Because it seems like it was forever and ever ago, but I I think it did happen this week. Boy, every week is becoming like this. It's crazy. Gee, who could have predicted that, by the way? I wonder I wonder who could have possibly seen that coming for maybe the last year or so. Um, but I digress. We'll talk about that later on in this hour of the John and Leah show. I want to get back specifically to Dallas because we spent a little bit of time in the last hour. I know this is you know so old news, but actually determining whether or not the Baton Rouge and specifically the Minnesota circumstances even warranted any of these protests that ended up resulting indirectly, I guess, although somewhat directly, in the massacre of the uh, Dallas police officers. And by the way, it's not just the Dallas police officers. Police officers, as you alluded to, are are being harmed, and I believe at least one other was killed uh, throughout this country as it's a result. It's everywhere. They're uh, under attack. Yeah, uh, both uh, verbally as well as, as literally. And I, I want to go directly to the impact of this because, you know, we have such short attention spans and as horrendous as this is in a couple of weeks, you know, we got the conventions coming up. This will be in the rearview mirror, just like Orlando is in the rearview mirror and it, it will be remembered by some, but not by most. Uh, Cause this is one you don't want to remember. This is one that, you know, it leaves a mark, but you, you, you try, you're going to try, everyone's going to try hard to forget this because this really doesn't fit anybody's narrative of a world that they want to live in. And you know, the media likes the the race story, but they don't like the idea of a black guy killing white people because it's it's uncomfortable. Um, they're much more comfortable with a white guy killing black people. Now that fits a narrative that they can be correct. That they, oh yeah, they, they can get behind that. They got no issues with that one, and that's what we saw with Charleston. And the and the and the the, the reaction the, the between the difference in the reaction between Charleston and Dallas has been stunning uh, by just about everybody. The media, by black leaders, by politicians, what have you. But let's go specifically to Dallas, because one of the things that I think most people implicitly understand, but doesn't get spoken very much, and it certainly doesn't get spoken about much in the media, is that this is going to have an impact. This week will have an impact on at least a generation of Americans from the standpoint of how many hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people who might have become police officers will not will not become police officers and how many are going to retire early i would of course you, you can would. have it i'm out of here right my point here is that in all sorts of ways ways that we probably even thought about or couldn't even conceive of that the 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 realm uh, of being a police officer is going to be radically altered now it was already going in that direction what we've seen over the last year or two was going in that direction, but I think this put it into a completely different level. When you've got police officers being targeted for assassination simply because of their race, who had nothing at all to do, to do with, with anything, anything, anything that, that to me is in a whole new stratosphere of insanity. And there is zero doubt that what you said is true, that, that police officers will retire. What I said is true, that fewer people will become police officers. By the way, 
uh, congratulations, black community, because you're now um, invariably, invariably, you're going to have the least experienced and worst cops that there are. Because and they're not going to come to your neighborhood. Right. Because guess what? Right. If you're a, <laughs> you're going to turn them into racists. Right. So if you're if you are a cop with enough seniority to be able to dictate such things, why in the world, especially if you're white, why in the world would you ever mess with going into a black community? Why? Why I would you do it? Never. You you would be insane. No. You would be utterly insane to do that. So congratulations. Uh we you you've really achieved something great here, Black Lives Matter. Because um, we're going to have fewer police officers, fewer good ones. A lot of the good ones are going to retire. And the good ones are going to go nowhere near where your communities are. So good work. Nice work. Good job. Good job. Congratulations. And by the way, uh, every morning here, there's black on black crime everywhere you look. I do three, four, five stories every single morning. And it's not cops that are killing the black people. But, but let's not talk about that. That doesn't make a good story because no one cares about that. No one has there, there's no good narrative there. No one wants to hear that story. Black on black crime. We no, can't no. look at the, you no. know, our own communities. Nope. Let's point out the cops. Well, it makes people feel better. It's uh, insane. I Well, you know, actually, it's not that it is insane on one level, but it, it makes sense in some ways. And, and I've mentioned this before. And I'm I, to my knowledge, I'm the only guy. Uh, you know, on this kind of platform with the balls to say this, but here's what the real motivation of all this is. All right. The real is motivation it? is, and I've said this before in this program, but the real motivation is that black quote unquote leaders and a lot of black people cannot understand why it is that after two generations of being treated completely equally in the eyes of the law, and by the way, more than equally in a lot of ways with regard to government programs and college entrances and all that kind of thing. After oh, yeah. two de- after two generations of being being treated at least totally equally, why is it that black people still lag so far behind in so many of the statistical measures of a society? Therefore, because that is a reality, we need an excuse. We need a reason for it, and it can't be—it can't be black people, all right? We, no, it can't that, be because that would be racist. It cannot be—it cannot be the black leadership having betrayed black people and not Good. done one thing right. to help anything. Right? No, that can't be. So we need somebody else. We need a boogeyman to blame, and so the boogeyman is society in general manifesting itself through the horrendous racism of white cops. That's the excuse for why black people cannot get ahead, despite the fact that they have been given every advantage for at least a generation, regardless of how you define it. And I believe in many aspects, of our, as I've already alluded to, given more than every advantage. But that hasn't stopped the reaction to Dallas from being out and out. It's just flat out ridiculous. In every possible way, both from liberal politicians to people on Twitter, and I believe uh, apparently uh. You, even you've had an experience that you want to talk about, Leah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get to all of that when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. By the way, at freespeechbroadcasting.com, you can see a whole slew of uh, new columns that I wrote this week about this week's events. I've started. Uh, to, you're so busy anymore. <laughs> well, I, I've I've actually taken a paying job at uh, at Mediaite. Dan I Abrams of ABC News runs a, a media criticism website called Mediaite, and uh, I wrote a couple of very interesting columns this week uh, that uh, relate directly to what we've been talking about. One of which was for the Fourth of July, called "How the Media Has Created the Divided States of America." Yes. And another one, which is directly related to that. And to the reaction to Dallas is, why is the media not condemning the supporters of the Dallas shooter? I'm Which, so glad you wrote that. Um, You're and, the only one. Well, that's usually the way it is, <laughs> for better or for worse. But you can check those out at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com. And so let's talk about why I wrote uh, both of those columns, really, even though one of them occurred before uh, Dallas. You know, the reaction to Dallas has been shocking in and of itself. The the Democratic politicians, Hillary and Obama, basically blaming white people or not being able to figure out what the motive is for the, the shooting, that's all too predictable because they have to protect their base and they can't tell black people the truth because if they tell black people the truth, they might lose their, their uh, stranglehold on the black vote. And without their stranglehold on the black vote, uh, the Democratic Party disintegrates. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it, folks. Yeah, but how and, insulting to white people. If you're a white person and you vote for Hillary, right? But she, you are just an idiot. Well, I understand that because, but but she understands that the only white people voting for her to begin with are women who aren't going to change their votes over something like this, and cuckolded men. So you know the ballless men, they're they're actually feel you know they they're they're they've already been trained to react to blame themselves for everything they're probably married Stupid. so so you know they're married white guys and they're like they they have been trained by their wives that and by Oprah that everything they do is wrong so of course they're going to get blamed that's just natural that's not going to impact their voting pattern uh, to have them not vote for Hillary but let's so so that was to be expected by the way I want to point out that Trump's response which you played in the last hour uh, was, uh, you know, the verbiage of it was absolutely perfect, although I find it interesting that, boy, do they have him on a tight leash on this subject. Boy, yeah. he he was not allowed off script on this one. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I I get that. I but... mean, sometimes you got to overcorrect <laughs> so that you can, you know, it's like riding a horse. <laughs> well, I, my view on the Trump and the teleprompter and the script is you either got to break the Bronco or you got to let the Bronco be the Bronco. <laughs> and they haven't figured out what they want to do yet. But that you could almost tell that, you know, the leash that he was trying to gnaw the leash off while he was <laughs> while he was reading that statement on Dallas. Uh, and this is one of the few times when I would have liked to have seen him get off the leash because this is this is the Trump that I like. The yeah. anti-political correctness Trump. That one. That one. Give me some of that. Uh, but I understand why his handlers would have been a little terrified of what he might have said. Uh, without the script. Interestingly, the supposed favorite to be his vice presidential nominee, Newt Gingrich, and I also wrote a column about the vice presidential search, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com. I don't believe it's going to be Newt Gingrich for a whole No, I don't either. Uh, and I explained why in that column. But in the media's perception, of course, the conventional wisdom is almost always wrong. He's the favorite right now. He came out with a statement that sounded exactly like Hillary. I mean, yes. exactly. Basically saying, 
white people need to understand how black people feel and how much more dangerous it is to be a black person. And I'm thinking, seriously, Newt? Seriously. And by the way, I, I don't think that helped him at all if he ever had a chance of being Trump's VP because that just doesn't fit with the, the Trump anti-political correctness MO. Uh, but that's Newt being Newt, and that's why he can't rely on Newt, and that's one of the many reasons why he would be a very poor VP choice. So that all was somewhat predictable. What I even I was astonished by, Leah, was the online reaction by mostly black people, but by the way, a lot of liberal whites as well. Talk talk about white guilt. Idiots. Talk about white guilt. But you know, the day the day after the Dallas shooting, I made the mistake of going on Twitter and I saw the killer's name trending, and I was yeah. curious. And I was curious, you know, I, w- what are people saying? And so I looked, and even you wish you hadn't. Leah, I, I thought I was I thought it was uh, a parody. I thought people were pulling my leg. Yeah. Because what I saw and, and let me make something very clear. I can't stand it when the news media cherry picks tweets from anonymous nobodies uh, because it fits whatever narrative that they want to create that people are saying. Right. That happens all the time. This was not that this was not a random nut. With without a you know without a name or even a photograph avatar that you don't even know who the hell they are. These are actual people with pictures of themselves with names. They appear to not be insane. And oh by the way, their support for the Dallas killer was being liked and retweeted hundreds, yeah, hundreds of times. This is this was not mild support. This was. Rest in peace. This was, you're a hero. This is, I can understand why you did it. I, I love the ones that were like, well, I might not agree with everything, but in general, I kind of support the guy. And this was everywhere. And that's why I wrote the column, why is the media not calling anybody out on this? Because can you imagine if white people after Charleston were routinely praising the Charleston shooter? And oh, that's by right. the way, and oh, by the way, which didn't happen. Jenny, we're near the numbers that we saw here, even though whites make up far more of the population than blacks do, although maybe not on Twitter. But that's another story for another day because black people dominate Twitter. But the but the most amazing part of that whole deal is not just that people were saying it, but that other members of their community felt perfectly comfortable sharing it in their name. I know. It's unreal. That's the it's scary part. Unreal. I, I, I tell you, this is not about race. This is about good and evil. It's what it is. And it's also about people being upset because they want to be criminals. And the police are in the way. And it's, by the way, not just random people. There you are in Alabama. The first black Miss Alabama tonight being quoted as referring to the black, to the black Dallas shooter as a martyr. A martyr. Someone who's actually some stature. We're living in a Unreal. bizarre world. More on this when we come back on the John and Leah show.
This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. She's in Alabama. I'm in Southern California. And we broadcast across this formerly great nation of ours on 23 different radio stations each and every Sunday night. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And I mentioned in the last segment the astonishing, shocking, horrifying level of support that the Dallas killer, the guy who perpetrated a race-motivated massacre on innocent white police officers in Dallas uh, online, specifically on Twitter, was just uh, appalling in every possible way. It was just flat-out ridiculous. And, and, and it wasn't just black people. Mostly black people, some white liberals with an enormous amount of white guilt and not a lot of brains. But, but Leah, what, what makes me... Um, <laughs> unusual to say the least in these sort of circumstances is that I don't just go and read what these people have to say. Oh, you have to respond to it. No, I engage. You uh, engage the idiots. Well, I try to be somewhat selective. I don't go out to the complete and total idiots. You know, I, I have certain rules like you got to have a real name. You got to have a photo of yourself. You got to be able to spell reasonably well. Actual followers. Yeah, you have a few followers. I mean, so so I, I you know I separate the wheat from the chaff, and if someone is saying something completely insane, uh, you know my my general response is best summed up by Charlie Brown. I'll say something like, "You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true?" I mean, that's my that's basically. I should probably just use that as my, my blanket response on Twitter to everything. <laughs> you must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? All right, so and what was interesting about this is what I learned, and this wasn't shocking, but it was still greatly upsetting because it, it, it hit me in the face how utterly divided we are. And I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of black people over my career that are way more honest than than 99.9% of people have in this realm because unlike most people, I'm not afraid. But I got to tell you, the ability to even have a conversation now, Leah, is almost over. It's almost over. It used to be we were, you know, you always use the analogy of a book, that America is like a book. And, you know, we always disagreed on what the words meant, but we at least agreed on what the words were. Or, you know, what the chapter headings were or what the page numbers were. We can't even agree on that anymore. We, we, yeah. are, we are so dangerously close to not even being able to have a simple conversation. I'm not talking about from an emotional standpoint, because I try to be very level-headed in these circumstances, no matter how, how stupid the people are. Right. Uh, it's like these people have brain damage. Well, in, but they think I have brain damage. And I'll give you a, a specific example. So last night... There was a Twitter trend, which was white privilege means. And I'm okay, thinking that right there is brain damage. That's a brain damage hashtag. Right. And you never should have gone fishing. Well, and basically what this was was a way for black people on Twitter to complain about how horrible white privilege is. So I couldn't resist. So I start tweeting white privilege means all sorts of things that I, I know I saw that. <laughs> all sorts of things. Like, for instance, I think the one that got the most response, which was I think it was liked like 500 times. It was seen by over 100,000 people, according to Twitter, uh, was basically white privilege means 
knowing that your child is going to have a greatly diminished chance of getting into the college of their choice and with zero financial aid. Now, people went bananas, bananas, bananas over this because in their minds, I'm the nut job. Where where is he possibly coming from? And, of course, I'm somebody who, uh, first of all, I I happen to be part of the admissions process of my alma mater, Georgetown University in D.C. I've been through the admissions process with numerous people, both in and outside of my family. I'm I'm not an expert, but I'm well-versed, in, especially when it comes to elite private colleges, how the system works. And I'm positive that if my child was black, they would have a hell of a lot better chance of getting in when they get to that age than they are when they're white. It's There's just, no question. It's not even close. But in the minds of those people on Twitter, and again, these are not the dregs of humanity, although I will acknowledge on Twitter. Some of them are. They're probably a bit more extreme than you know an average person walking along the street. But I don't think that they're so far outside the mainstream that they're irrelevant. I think, unfortunately, this is far too close to today's mainstream. In their mindset, I was the insane person who had no idea what I was talking about. So, therefore, how do those two people, how do those two ideas or those two concepts, those two perspectives, how do they possibly coexist when you're living in separate realities encased in your own bubble that is created by your own media because these people are only consuming media that makes them feel better about themselves. Because that's Media? Huh. Well, how about the academic process they've gone through? Because no. a lot of them are younger. Well, no, I agree. It's and, entrenched. No, you're right. Academics is all part of it. The special snowflake phenomenon. Yeah. You never tell anybody anything that will upset them. That nothing that they have to, you know, don't face any conservative ideas in college because that might make you have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I mean, I, and that's that's this is the you price we pay. Find the safe zone. No, you, yeah, safe zone. You got to find a safe zone because you might have to think something somewhat different than what you want to think i mean that's there's a price for this and this is the price we're paying because we're now all encased in our separate little bubbles of reality and that doesn't mean i'm always right i am the i i joke all the time how open-minded i am i honestly am i honestly am tell me why i'm wrong explain to me why you think you're right because it's not even close in my estimation based upon my understanding of the facts and my own experience and we can't even have a conversation anymore. That's because how screwed we are. Because you cannot question whether or not that point of view is right. No one because it's has racist. questioned that point of view. Because it, and by that's a great point. Because that's why I get so such a dramatic reaction on Facebook, yes. on, on, on Twitter. <gasps> because they're so stunned that some white guy actually has the balls with a check mark. I'm a, I'm verified on Twitter, at least for now, <laughs> until they take it away someday, which I'm sure they will. Some guy with a check mark actually has the balls to question my belief system. Because yeah. And then they start questioning, they start calling your kid mediocre, and they assume all this stuff oh. about you. Oh, no, the hypocr- it was unreal. The, the hypocrisy is off the charts. I mean, they you're, once they determine that you are a racist, they can say the anything they want about you. They can presume anything they want about you. Uh, my favorite, though, was that I was proving – let me see if I can get this straight. I was proving that white privilege exists because – 
I was not acknowledging that white privilege exists. And therefore, because I was not aware of my own white privilege, this You have white privilege. (laughs) It's crazy making. There's no way that you can argue with that. Well, it's a circular argument. But as I said, as a response, I said, I would refer to this as a classic circular argument. But to understand what a circular argument is might be white privilege. That's right. (laughs) But it's funny in one way, but it's tragic. It's tragic in another way because to me – Maybe social media makes it more difficult. You would think it would make it easier because you're not face-to-face and you don't have to worry about coming to blows. Uh, But to me, as as someone who has engaged in these conversations throughout my entire life, because I don't fear them, because I know I'm not a racist, therefore I have no fear at all. I want to understand the other side. I really do. I've been to more black funerals than 99.9% of white people. All right? So it's... I have zero fear of being called a racist. I've been called it many times. It's not accurate. I know it's not accurate, so go screw yourself. I don't care. And for, and for me, in my experience, it has become exponentially more difficult, almost impossible, to even have a rational conversation because we're living in different worlds. We're going further and further apart, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Now, you, Leah, you indicated to me that you had an example of, oh, yeah. of reverse racism happen to you. Explain. Well, it's not reverse racism. It's just racism. Okay. Uh, so my brother flew here uh, from California. He gets off the plane, and I realize that his eye is injured. So we have to go to urgent care, and we were in uh, basically the hood. So that's the urgent care that we went to. There were no cars in the parking lot. The uh, waiting room had one person in it. So... Um, you know, Travis filled out all the paperwork, and we sat down. They said, the doctor, you know, we'll, we'll call you right back. Well, about 15 minutes later, we get called to come back up to the desk, and the girl says, um, the doctor wanted me to tell you that we have 15 people ahead of you back here, and so it's going to take so long, you need to go somewhere else. Now, how do you know that that was because of your race? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, they don't have 15 beds back there. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. Secondly, why wouldn't they have said that? Third, why were there no cars in the parking lot? And fourth, when we went to another area of town, the same company but a different area, they confirmed it for us. They confirmed that there was no overcrowding situation? Yes, and that the whole thing was very hanky, and they looked at each other with that knowing look. That and you, when that, I first. That you, that you had been in the wrong part of town? Yes. When I first came here, I was told that that existed. Racism, not the way it was back in the 60s, but it's actually the other way now. And I didn't believe it. And I've never experienced it. I'm telling you, that was it. All right. I, I'll believe you. Uh, it worries me a little bit because it's – and I'm not suggesting this was, is what happened with you, Leah. But one of the things that bugs the crap out of me is now any time that a black person gets slighted for any reason, real, perceived, or otherwise, it's racist uh, right. if a white person is involved. And that that bothers me uh, quite a bit. But let's, let's just assume that 
that what you're saying is 100% accurate, and I have no reason to believe that it isn't. I think you put your finger on something that is a direct result of the stories that we've been talking about tonight. These things have an impact. They don't happen in a vacuum. If black people are being told by their leaders, by academia, by the news media, that white people are against them, white cops are against them, that it, it becomes then okay if you're living in a black majority situation for right. paybacks to be a bitch. Right. That, that's, it's okay, but, which is, by the way, it's the same mentality as to why it's okay in the black community to retweet support for the Dallas killer. It's the same concept, and it has huge implications. Uh, and I don't, doubt, I don't doubt that you're right, although I have to say I, I've had s- somewhat similar circumstances when I have found myself in, in, a, in the black community. Um, not necessarily that dramatic as, as what you just articulated, but this is definitely something that I think is real. And it's, it's probably only going to get worse because human beings are human beings regardless of their race, and they respond to their own self-interest and into incentives in very similar ways. And be- when there's no accountability at all right. for these types of things, guess what happens? It's going to continue to happen because it makes those people feel better about their own existence which is what the, is at the heart of this whole deal, making feel, people feel better about their own failures. That's what's at the heart of all this. And I didn't believe it. They said it existed. I didn't believe it. It's been eight years. I'm telling you, that's what it was. I was stunned. Ugh. All right. We're so screwed. All right. When we come back, we are. Um, let's move on to other news of the week, including the shocking, quote unquote, lack of indictment of Hillary Rodham Clinton on the John and Leah show. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And a story that we have been covering since basically the beginning of the John and Leah show, well over a year and a half ago, apparently has at least somewhat come to an end this week in a fashion that was predicted by us, oh, I don't know, about 30, 40 times. <laughs> which was that Hillary Clinton is not going to be indicted uh, because of uh, her email screw-up. The head of the FBI uh, held a very dramatic, and I do mean dramatic, uh, statement. It wasn't a press conference. He didn't take questions then. He did later from Congress. Uh, James Comey did that on Tuesday. Leah Brandon, tell us what happened then. <laughs> Well, that was basically the story. Uh, Yes, James Comey uh, did lay out all of the evidence that he found among it. Not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information. There is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. He went through many, many emails that were classified as they were received and sent by Hillary Clinton. However, the kicker... In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. He then said he would refer it to the Department of Justice and the Attorney General. 
which shockingly is not pursuing any charges. All right. Um, and this is the conclusion that you and I have anticipated for a very long time, although if my memory serves, you were a little bit slow to come to that conclusion. Uh, for the record, the reason why I believe this forever and ever, and this is important because this is different than saying that the fix was in. All right. My feeling always has been if there was going to be an indictment, somebody at the FBI would have a sense that that was likely to occur. And there's a very good chance that that somebody would want to, you know, make other people aware of that. And that Barack Obama would have a huge incentive to be in the loop, whether it was officially, most likely unofficially, as to what the status of the investigation was. And if there was any hint that she was going to get indicted, especially in a serious fashion over this thing, that Barack Obama would never have allowed the two Democratic presidential uh, contenders to be a person who's going to potentially get indicted and a nut job named Bernie Sanders. He was not going to let that happen. And if, especially when he had Joe Biden sitting right there on the sidelines. So he would, he would have put Joe in the game. Well, when he decided not to do that, that was an obvious sign that he was getting no hint of an impending indictment. Now, as far as what Comey did, and Lee, I'm interested in hearing your opinions on this because when I was watching the statement, it was truly dramatic because, and I don't know if he intended it to be this way, but he certainly got this result. He he created the impression for a large portion of his presentation that there was going to be an indictment. And oh, yes, because he laid out things that she did that were, well, illegal. Well, potentially illegal, yes. Uh, and and you know I I happen to um, I like looking at the the betting markets. There's a thing called Predictit, uh, Predictit.org, which you're allowed to bet on just about almost anything political. Mm-hmm. And the bet there was a betting market on whether Hillary would be indicted. And these things usually don't have massive dramatic shifts. And I'm talking I have never seen more dramatic shifts in a short period of time. Within seconds, the thing was going from 20% chance of indictment to 46% chance of indictment down to 9% chance of indictment. It was it was crazy. Uh, and you know a lot of people believe that he did this on purpose. The theory is, and I don't quite know if I agree with this, and I'll tell you why in a second. The theory that a lot of conservatives have is that Comey wanted to indict believed that she deserved an indictment, but for some reason decided against it, whether it was because the fix was in, which I don't believe, because he seemed sincere to me. And not only did he seem sincere to me, he finished by saying he's never been prouder of the FBI. Now, if your theory is that he's trying to give secret messages through, you know, eye winks, uh, that somehow he really did want to indict her, why say that? Now, so I guess my first question is, Leah, do you believe Comey was sincere in what he did? Uh, I think he was sincere in that he followed the red herring instead of going for the entire thing. And that's how Hillary got off. Meaning what? Because it all comes down to intent now, doesn't it? She deliberately, deliberate, he kept bringing that up. Excuse me. The fact that you have a private server 
in your basement right. is intent. And he never went to that. It was all about the emails. Never the server. And that's how he sliced that little pie right there. Okay, but what was his motivation? Right, you know what? Hold on. Let, we'll, we'll get back to this when we come back for hour number three of the John and Leah show. I want to understand uh, where Leah's coming from. I have some thoughts on this as well. And there are a couple other news stories we have to get to. In hour number three, coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. <laughs> 